Tonight's episode is rated F for fun. We the people. We, 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 we the people. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Councils will kindly direct their remarks to the bench. I did all I had to, sir. Now that I've got something human to talk about. Rights, sir. Human rights. The Bible. The Code of Hammurabi. And of Justinian. Magna Carta. The Constitution of the United States. Fundamental declarations of the Martian colonies. The statutes of Alpha III. Gentlemen. These documents all speak of rights. Rights of the accused to a trial by his peers, to be represented by counsel. The rights of cross-examination, but most important, the right to be confronted by the witnesses against him. A right to which my client has been denied. Your Honor, that is ridiculous. We produced the witnesses in court. My learned opponents had the opportunity to see them, cross-examine them. All but one. The most devastating witness against my client is not a human being. The machine, an information system. I protest, Your Honor. And I repeat, I speak of rights. A machine has none. A man must. My client has the right to face his accuser. And if you do not grant him that right, you have brought us down to the level of the machine. Indeed, you have elevated that machine above us. Ah, my beloved Star Trek, Samuel T. Cogley defending Captain Kirk. It's Afternoons Live. It's Constitution Thursday. The Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution, the so-called Confrontation Clause. It, um, well, it's, it's well known to us. You have the right to face your accuser, right? That's what it says. Right. That's, in essence, the... Uh, this, the, the uh, the long and short of it, to be, uh, let's see, to be confronted with the witnesses against him if you're uh, charged in a criminal prosecution. Why would you and imagine that to be important? If you had to sit back and go, well, what were they thinking when they put that together? Why would it matter if you faced your accuser or not? I mean, isn't it enough for your accuser just to say, well, I heard him say that, or... My friend saw them say that. Yeah, I, that's. I would think that would be the problem. Is that uh, is that you start getting, you know, these these kind of witch hunty sorts of things, and and it becomes a convenient way to get rid of people and stuff like that. You know, like when you go and inform upon your neighbors. Oh, I th- I saw him having a secret commie meeting in the basement. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it becomes an element of hearsay. Yeah. Right? Hearsay is not admissible evidence. No. Yeah. You didn't hear it. You heard about it. That's not admissible. Yeah, just because Jimmy told Susie and Susie told you. But there is a uh, there's a long history here, of course, of the the Star Chamber type trials back in England, which of course they were very familiar with, with the idea that uh, well, we'll just uh, we don't have any actual evidence, so we'll just ask you questions until we find some. Or 
we'll find somebody to give us some evidence and then conveniently not let them be questioned by you. Right. See, because if you if you start asking them questions, what might happen? Yeah. Maybe maybe the evidence that they gave us just completely unravels. Could was happened in Star Trek when we finally faced the accuser, what we discovered was the computer, the witness against Captain Kirk, had in fact been tampered with. I love Star Trek. I've learned more constitution stuff in Star Trek than just about anywhere. I mean, from an applicability that's, standpoint. That's alarming. But it is, but in a way, stop and think about this. Think about the no, fact I that this was made saying. in 1967. Right. And here were these social elements that were going on. Gene Roddenberry, the, the inventor of Star Trek, the writer of Star Trek, the producer, the, the great bird of the galaxy, as he would later be known. The what? The great bird of the galaxy. That was his nickname. That's, that's what they call Gene Roddenberry? Yeah. All right. He, a lot of Star Trek is commentary on the social issues of the day. Right. So you have uh, episodes that appear to deal with, uh, I don't know, two large superpowers using a small, insignificant third little third world country planet to have a proxy war kind of thing going on. Yeah. Social commentary going on. Of course, you had the whole... Race issues going on. Star Trek, very, very progressive when it came to the idea that race relationships, you know, look, we don't we don't play that game in the 23rd century. You're a human. That's <laughs> the way it is. <clears throat> but in a lot of this stuff, there is um, some more subtlety to this. And Samuel T. Cogley, who is this um, attorney who is famous in the 23rd century for, A, still reading books, which, of course even today, now is becoming a thing of the, uh, you know, you carry around books. Boy, that's just that's just weird because everybody's got their little tablets now or their computers or whatever, right. and nobody actually carries around books anymore and reads those things, but Samuel T. Cogley does. He's a throwback to the, to the ancient time. Jeez. We're now describing a Star Trek episode, just so you know. <clears throat> but we are talking about the Sixth Amendment, and that's one of the things he brings up. He brings up all these documents, the Bible, the Code of Hammurabi, the... Uh, the, the Constitution, all of these things that deal with the idea that humans, mankind, have had this right when governments have, you know, been held to those rights to face one's accuser. Because it, it is very important to be able to face one's accuser. It, there's an element to... <sighs> well, how many times have you had a fight with a significant other where it's like, you know, I know that something's something, you know, and it's like, oh, well, who told you that? It doesn't matter who told me that. Right. Well, yes, it does matter who told you that, yes, because sometimes they don't always get the information correct, right? or something gets misinterpreted, something gets missaid. Sometimes, John, and I know this will shock everybody, sometimes people will walk into the middle of something that's being said. They'll hear one sentence out of an hour, and they will go bananas and call your boss and go, I can't believe he said that! Right. Because... <laughs> You know, that happens every now and then. Or they'll call your wife or whatever. Like when we freaked out when Obama said you didn't build that. Right. No, no. But that's what he did say. <laughs> no. That's what he did say. But there you go. Anyway, the uh, the point being, you have a right to face your accuser because your accuser, if you're going to make an accusation, you should be able to stand up for that accusation. That's, right. This is the, the legal element here is that you're supposed to, in fairness, of the criminal system, draw conclusions based on facts, not emotions. 
And by questioning an accuser, you aren't saying that that accuser necessarily was lying. Maybe they, perhaps through questioning, you lead them to a different conclusion. Maybe I did misinterpret what I saw. Maybe there is an explanation. Maybe there's a reasonable explanation for what was happening. Maybe I didn't mean, he didn't mean that way. Maybe whatever. This, again, their experience coming out of this with the star chambers, with the idea that um, prosecutors could literally just invent evidence against a, a, a defendant and then hammer the defendant with that evidence until they either got a confession or a conviction, one of the two, over and over again, smacks of unfairness. And, of course, as Englishmen, our founders didn't uh, d- didn't object, didn't accept that system and the the star chamber system was eventually smashed in England and replaced then with the rights that Englishmen had and when it came time to establish the constitution when it came time to put in the bill of rights into the constitution it seemed like a natural fit well we should describe how the 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 trial system should work you should have the right to confront your accuser which is of course the point that Sam Cogley is making how prescient though that even in 1967, Gene Roddenberry was commenting on coming technology. There was going to come a time when everybody would be on technology, video, tape, whatever. And would that technology then replace the eyewitness element of this? Right, the standard accuser and stuff like, oh, we found it on the uh, on the recording. Here's a recording right here, clear as day. Of you, you know, and as uh, hacking off the front of that ATM machine, right. or hacking off somebody's head or whatever. But, but, but as as Cogley was, Jesus, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. Really um, <laughs> Why that escalated fast? Went downhill fast. Yeah. Or you'll eject the uh, the ion pod, and and Commander Finney will be sure dead. in a no dumping zone. A no-dumping squadron. Question squadron. is, how do we know that this, this material is correct? I mean, even right now here in Modesto, now we have cops wandering around looking like they're filming their own episode of Cops because they've got cameras all over them, the body cams now, um, where they are now taking videos. But again... Wait, on the cop? On the cop, yes. The cop is wearing a camera, a body camera. Wow. And is his or her, as the case may be, interactions with you are now being recorded. Right, for posterity. What then becomes the accuser? Let's say for the sake of argument that, and this is pure speculation, hyperbole, whatever you want to call it. What if something happens that the cop doesn't catch, but the camera gets or something? What if you're arrested by this cop? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're under arrest for whatever the crime may be. And in the process of that arrest, you think that they were a little bit too rough. You go to the trial, and the cop... For whatever reason, John, he's sick, got a cold, whatever reason, cannot appear at your trial. But he does send along the footage. Is the footage acceptable now? Are you facing your accuser? I would say no, because it's not like you can talk to the footage. It's not like you can, you know, call into question the footage's, you know, veracity. That's a question, isn't it? Oh, and the state legislature has been busy with this as lately, too. Of course. As, you know, they're busy not working on the budget and other things. They're uh, delving into this as well. It is Afternoons Live, KFIV 1360, Modesto, AM 
1280 in Stockton, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back afternoons live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app on your smartphone. A little bit uh, different schedule today, doing Constitution Thursday here in the 4 o'clock hour. As uh, if you weren't with us, my voice is just about gone. I'm really quite ill. So we're going to do a best of in the third hour, but uh, for now we'll go ahead and feel like I put so much effort into this uh Sixth Amendment thing that I wanted. I, I just, I hate missing Constitution Thursday, as I said in my blog on Sunday. I just, uh, it's the thing that I look I look forward to the most. It's it, it It's become an important part to me of this show, and really in the prep of this show, because it applies to so much of what we're doing. Seems like every day you turn around, there's some element here of the, of the Constitution right in front of you, and I hate to miss it. So I thought, well, instead of trying to struggle through the rest of the day and then just having no voice left at all in the 5 o'clock hour, we'd just go ahead and do a Constitution Thursday now, and then we'll run a best of next hour. Um, We're looking at the Confrontation Clause in the First Amendment, or I'm sorry, in the Sixth Amendment of the uh, Constitution of the United States. Now, you need to understand, there was if, if you go back to the ratification arguments, the ratification debates, there's virtually nothing on this. There's, in fact, there is nothing on it. Nobody questioned the need for this. Nobody questioned the logic behind it. Everybody looked at it and went, well, that makes sense. You should have the right to face your accuser. And we should enshrine that law in our Constitution. We should enshrine that light and enumerate that right, if you will, into our Constitution. Now, keep in mind, at that point, the Constitution was, in fact, not, not, incorporated into the state constitutions, and so it was not required of the states. However, many of them did it anyway. Many of them felt that this was important enough. Uh, eventually, it would become incorporated, and as such, it um, basically it, it, it prevents a, a, a defendant from being railroaded by witnesses who are mm, not really there. But there are a couple of occasions, John, where it does create... Some brouhaha. The first being legitimate hearsay. Let us say for the sake of argument that you are a bad, well, you are a a soon-to-be crime victim, John. You are walking down a dark street in in a central California city where crime is rampant. I was thinking Fresno. but Uh, That works, too. And um, as you are walking down the street, you are approached by a person who may have, may or may not have just robbed a Little Caesars, has a gun, and in the process of this, stops you and demands money from you. Okay. You, of course, hand over your wallet, and then this person shoots you anyway. Jerk! He was a jerk. As you collapse to the ground, you realize that not only is this person a jerk, but you know that it's Dave Mazzy. Right. So I write in my own dying blood. No. The cop pulls <laughs> up. The, the police officer comes rushing up to you, and the ambulance folks are there. And as you're laying there on the ground bleeding, you're explaining to the police officer 
It was Mazzy. He did this. I, I can identify. I can point him out. It was Mazzy. He shot me. And, of course, unfortunately, you expire. Mazzy is, of course, caught because now they know who to look for. They put him on trial, and guess what? His lawyer objects to the police officer saying, well, John told me it was Mazzy. On the basis of that is hearsay evidence. But isn't dying words admissible in court? It wasn't always. It's been a relatively recent addition, believe it or not. Because of that? Because of that very case happening in Michigan. It has not been all that long that that has actually been allowed by the Supreme Court. That's one case. Another place where this creates a lot of difficulty, of course, is in the concept of, well, child witnesses particularly in the cases of abuse. You can see where this would create some difficulties, can you not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if the kid is, you know, con- basically confronting his abuser or something like that, oh, well, I have, you know, I have the right to confront my accuser, you know, like, like now, it would tell, you know, tell them what I did. What's, you know, what did I do? You know, I mean, you can totally just be out there and be threatening or whatever, I guess. Intimidating, yeah. And, and let's that's face what I'm it, going for. I don't know if anybody in listening audience. I'm sure somebody has, but I don't know if you've ever been a witness in a case. But it's an adversarial type relationship in a lot of ways. One side is trying to get you to get your story out without seeming like they're leading you. The other side is trying to trip you up at every opportunity. Well, John, you said red. You meant maroon, correct? Right. Little seemingly insignificant elements become huge stumbling blocks in the whole argument. I mean, I, we all, for some obscure reason, watch the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> I mean, really. Have you ever seen uh, cases where stuff that should have been easily common sense became minute arguments about just incredibly mundane and and detailed elements that you would never have imagined. Did the glove fit comfortably? Right. Cato. Well, was it a a thump or a (laughs) bump? Uh. The object then becomes to try to trip up a witness, particularly a prosecution witness. You're trying to to confuse them. And when you're dealing with children... Um... You know, I mean, really, how hard is it to confuse a child? Yeah. Kids, you, are, kids are dumb. <laughs> See, I, I fed you that, didn't I? You did. You put, it, you put it right welcome. in my mouth and I bit down. Put it right on the tee and you can just take the bat and <laughs> swing them away. Yeah. Um, if you put a cookie that close, though, expect to lose it. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> in the uh, Maryland versus Craig back in 1990, the court did allow a child witness to testify Uh, via closed-circuit television without physically entering the courtroom because the child was emotionally unable to testify in the defendant's presence. The court did find that that process satisfied the Confrontation Clause because it allowed for cross-examination and for the jury, defendant, and counsel to observe the demeanor of the child while she testified. And that really seems to be the the key point here, doesn't it? You need to be able to cross-examine. You need to be able to ask the child questions. Right. You need to be able to observe them while you're answering those questions because that, I, have you ever been on a jury? That yes. It does become an element of that. Watching, I, I, sitting in a criminal trial as a jurist in a criminal trial, 
that becomes part of what you're, I, I found myself sitting there for a week watching for reactions, watching for... Well, and you know, it's, that's what's interesting about being a juror is that not only are you, are you called upon to sort of keep all the facts straight and pay attention and, and, and try and like put things together, but you're also, your job is to know people, is mm-hmm. to know human beings, and, and it's your experience with, right. you know, interacting with other people that basically makes your job important. Right. It's not your job to suggest questions to the district attorney. They get a little hyper about that. No. But anyway, <laughs> putting all that aside for the moment. It, Did you it, it, do that? No. Not no. I, afterwards, I told the defense attorney, you suck. I yeah. Would, I'd have won that case. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> he did. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely horrible. Oh. But the reason he was horrible is because the demeanor of his client, the demeanor of his witnesses. He's was such a backseat driver, was, was such, I mean, it was like he wasn't even trying. Sad. Anyway. <laughs> You know, just getting paid. I'm, I'm just getting paid by the taxpayer, and right off you go. Anyway, the uh, the point being that, as a juror, you need to be able to do that. And, of course, the court finds that as part of the confrontation clause, you need to be able to, as a jurist, observe those demeanors. You need to be able to see what's going on. You need to be able to hear the inflection and tone, which you can't get in a written statement. Right. You can't get necessarily in a recorded state. You can't ask questions in a recorded Remember, part of the O.J. Simpson trial was that they wanted to do video depositions of the maid, right? Right. At one point, they wanted to stop the whole trial because she was going back to Guatemala or Ecuador or someplace. They wanted to stop the whole trial. In the middle of the defense, or the prosecution's like, well, we've got to put this defense with us now because she's leaving. Well, no. And, and for some obscure reason, Ito, I don't know what the hell that guy was doing. That, talk about a no-win scenario. I mean, what do you do as a judge in the O.J. Simpson case? Short of... Judge Lance Edo. Yeah, short of saying, you know what, no cameras, okay? You people need to stop performing and actually start having a trial here. You know what? That I mean, can you imagine how different that trial might have turned out? Yeah, much differently would be my guess. And much shorter, too, would have been my <laughs> yes. That would have been my guess. At any particular way, you need those things. And, of course, the court has said that testif- testifying by closed circuit in extraordinary cases is, in fact, permissible. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. In some, the Confrontation Clause prescribes an adversarial trial process that is designed to get the truth by allowing defendants to challenge prosecution witnesses through face-to-face testimony and cross-examination. In order to accommodate for some hearsay, and to allow for extraordinary cases where witnesses are incapable of testifying in a normal court session. So that's that's really what the Sixth Amendment Confrontation Clause has been interpreted to mean. So now we come to the state of California and our wonderful state legislature, which is busy in Sacramento these days, not solving the $617 billion in debt that we have. And by the way, I would like to point out that nothing, nothing that anybody in Sacramento has suggested for this budget, nothing has dealt with the fact that we have $617 billion in debt. Right. Nothing has done that. So no one's talking about paying any, any no. debt off. Right. Nah, we're worried about they this just year's deficit. Th- they just want a thing that technically balances the budget. For a year. Right. But we still have And nobody's doing anything. So while they're busy not doing that, John, they were busy passing a new law. Of course. Dealing with. they always do that. Dealing with red light cameras. Now, you know how I feel about red light cameras. I you hate them. I think they're revenue generators. I don't think that they necessarily contribute to the safety. I don't think they necessarily contribute to... Well, and aren't certain communities finding that they're actually more expensive yeah, to yeah. have the cameras? Because, because amazingly enough, when people see the cameras, 
they stop for the red lights. Right. Which means they don't get the revenue for the ticket. Also super easy to beat that ticket. Hold on a second. Well, maybe not anymore, and that's part of the problem. It's half past the hour. It's Afternoons Live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Afternoons live. I guess I should have said hello there. <laughs> Welcome back. It's afternoons live. I don't know why. Shows you how small, how slow my brain is moving today. I, I mean, also seven people would have gotten it. You would have gotten it, right? Barely. The point is, you would have gotten it. Yes. And I would have felt. <laughs> are you trying? Are you barely suppressing rage right now? No. Look at you. You're so mad. I'm telling you, man. It's like... Your face is I'm all like squinched up with anger. Jeez. Dayquil. Dayquil. Dayquil, ladies and gentlemen. The Hold only reason thought. I'm alive. Dude, he's chugging it. Oh. I don't think you're supposed to take it like that. Well, how would you take it? I don't think you're supposed to take it like a boss. Well, how would you take it? I don't have a little shot with glass it, or anything. With the, yeah, with a little plastic shot glass. Shot glass, he calls it. The dosage cup, Dave. Do you, do you mean the dosage cup? Does one take shots of Pepto Bismol? No, Pepto Bismol is. Hey, one does anyway. if one wants to survive the next morning. Yeah, anyway. Welcome back. Afternoons Live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app. Talking the Sixth Amendment confrontation clause. So, uh, you, you up to date with me here? You know where I'm going. We talked about the Modesto police and the body cam. Yes. And. And so what if what if the cop can't go in? What if in? the cop can't, for whatever reason? Is it cool to just send the footage along? Bingo. Now, police will tell you, and I'm sure that if uh, Rick Armendaris or even Detective Steve Stanfield was here right now, they would they would assure us that the uh, the, the footage cannot be, quote-unquote, messed with in any way, shape, or form. They would assure us that. Okay. But how do we know that? Right. I mean, not that we are, are are doubting MPD or anything like that. Check. And there's always that element of reasonable doubt. I mean, after all, you can get off from a DUI by suggesting that the phlebotomist shook the vial instead of stirring it. Right. And all of a sudden, you don't have to take any responsibility for it. So the theory then becomes, is that is that even admissible evidence? Is the video admissible evidence of... A crime or whatever you want to... Do you need a witness? Does the police officer need to show up and say, yes, I saw that person do that thing? I mean, I would say it's admissible insofar as it's used to, you know, demonstrate what happened during the the arrest. Okay. I mean, if, if, if you managed to catch the crime... It, as it happened, I would say it was admissible, but but not, I would say not without the, the, the officer making the arrest present. How about a dashboard camera in the event of someone assaulting a police officer? Again, the police officer is there. But I mean, I mean, don't officers of the law get kind of? I mean, they can go and take the stand and give testimony and stuff like that, and it's generally it's generally believed, right? Because right? they 
again, part of police officer training is they're trained in how to be a witness and how to how to report those things and blah, blah, blah. So here's my question for you then, John. Mm-hmm. Let us say for the sake of argument that you're driving downtown, pick a corner, 7th and I. And for whatever I'd reason, never be there. <laughs> for whatever reason, you blow through the light at 7th and I. Okay. And of course, as soon as you blow through that light or hell, coffee in Stanford or Sylvan or whatever it is. Wherever there's a thinger. And you get that bright flash that startles the living crap out of you because they always do. Right. And your face, of course, immediately turns right towards it. <laughs> <laughs> we got an awesome picture of me looking like a bridge troll. Is that picture admissible evidence? In other words, is that picture sufficient to accuse you of committing a crime? Ah, man, I don't know. Because, okay, I mean, if you... How do they get around that? I mean, if you are, if you, if you have the right to face your accuser, do you then, you know, demand that whom, whomever the picture was sent to that decided to fill out the uh, ticket that they uh, sent it to you, if they come in and say, yeah, I looked at the picture, it's uh, a picture of the guy, uh, I'm accusing him. Hmm, okay. So now we send the picture to a processing people. They look at it, theoretically, and right. fill out the appropriate paperwork and say, yes, I have examined this, I've been trained in how to do this, boom, 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 and so forth and so on. Who's the person doing that? Where are they located? I don't know. I mean, do those go back to the police department or do they go to a third party, uh, you know, company contracted to maintain the cameras? Most of the tickets go to a company, don't they? Go to a company that is in Australia. Oh, down under, as they say, where people all look a little weird. And, of course, they're looking at your picture upside down. <laughs> right, yes, and their toilets flush uh, the wrong way. SB 1303, which is a recently passed uh, bill here in California, mm-hmm. is a bill that's been passed specifically to address this issue, to uh, clarify the confusion as a result of the conflicting court cases. By specifying in the bill now, we have now a state law saying that evidence from red light cameras is, in fact, not hearsay and can be used as evidence in court. Okay. So the state of California has come out and said, nope, legislature said, boom, there it is. They haven't told you in this bill is, of course, that the, if you did need to talk to the person that did that, they're not going to be available because they're not going to fly somebody up from Australia for your traffic, for your $270 traffic ticket. They're just not going to do that. So what do you think? Have your Sixth Amendment rights to face your accuser in the case of a traffic light ticket been... uh, been violated here? Well, yeah, because that's just a little bit in the Constitution. Just a tad bit, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> it is there. It's like, it's all amendmenty and stuff. And yet the... Uh... In fact, it's in the Bill of Freaking Rights. Oh, by the way, they do have to prove that they're not just putting the camera there for revenue. This, do they? Yes, they actually have to say, they actually have to say with a straight face, yeah, it's there for safety reasons, not revenue. Not making this stuff up, folks. <laughs> That's why there's tons of giant signs around. They have to require that the camera locations be chosen solely for safety. They have to speci- they have specifically prohibited the use of red light cameras to raise revenue. Um, required cities and counties to follow state standards in the placement of and operation of the cameras. Require adequate signs to notify the drivers when the red light cameras are in use, which, of course, 
is what will cause people to stop. They won't drive through them anymore. Well, and also, I don't know, yeah, I mean, if they're really about safety, I couldn't tell you where all the red light cameras are. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I used to think I knew. Right. And now I don't know. Oh, and by the way, they've Those also signs aren't very big. They've also eliminated the snitch ticket. The what now? The snitch ticket <laughs> when an innocent ticket recipient, because they don't know who it is in the car, right? right. They just send it to whoever the registered owner of the car. Oh, is. so where they say that's not me, that's so and so. Right. You don't have to do that anymore. All you got to do is say, "I mean, that's not me." You don't. Before they tried to make you tell them who that was. No, really? you don't have to they do shine that the anymore. light in your face and ask you where your car was. Theoretically, it's easier now to get a wrongful ticket cleared, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway, the question then becomes how far will this go and how soon will it be before the California Supreme Court is asked to consider SB 1303 and whether or not it, in fact, does violate the Sixth Amendment's right, enshrined right there of uh, being able to face your accuser, particularly given that the people doing the reviewing may not be in this country or even this county or even this state. They might be half a world away. How reliable is that right. becomes the question. So there you have it. The Sixth Amendment operating even in California, even on Modesto streets. So when you drive by one of those red light cameras today, think about that. I'm not advising you to run it, flip it off and you know, try and to set a case here. And be like, right. what? Yeah. But just saying, it's just something you might want to think about as you're driving past that camera. That your rights are being destroyed one by one. One by one by the state of California. Damn it, we better start doing something about it. This afternoon's live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto. We'll be right back. Afternoons live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app on your smartphone. Thursday episode. Um, I think I'm going to make it all the way to 5 o'clock. <laughs> so, right, so 10 minutes. Feel like. Broad. Frank Aquila is with the South San Joaquin GOP. Frank joins us uh, this afternoon. Frank, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dave. How are you? Uh, not good. I'm sicker than a dog. Yeah, I was catching a little bit of your show in the, in the beginning, so right. I'm glad you made it so well, far. Well, don't catch any of my cold. It'll it'll knock you wacky. And i got to be here tomorrow because my favorite baseball player in the world is here tomorrow. So. Well, that sounds great. Right. And, of course, I'll get him sick, and then he'll uh, ruin his season is what will happen. Frank, what's going on with South San Joaquin Republican? Well, Dave, we probably have uh, probably maybe one of our biggest meetings, if not the biggest meeting coming up on Tuesday, September 4th in Manteca. And it's going to draw a huge crowd. Uh, we have Congressman Jeff Denham, who's going to be coming out to speak to us. Uh, congressional candidate Ricky Gill, who's coming back from the convention. And he actually spoke at the convention uh, on Tuesday. And um, we have U.S. senatorial candidate uh, Elizabeth Imkin, who's running against Dianne Feinstein. And they're all going to be uh, at the South San Joaquin Republican meeting. I also have a, a gentleman that's uh, with the Romney campaign that's going to be there. And so uh, these people are going to be coming out, and basically if you had just one of these people as, as a guest speaker, it would draw a huge crowd. But we have like a trifecta of um, three huge names uh, draws of people that are influential in, in our politics today that are going to be coming out to the South San Joaquin Republican meeting. How are you going to fit all those people in? 
Well, Jeff Denham is going to be our, our, our first speaker. He's going to be going for about a half hour and speaking. Um, and then uh, congressional candidate uh, Ricky Gill is going to be speaking for about 20 minutes. And uh, U.S. senatorial candidate um, Elizabeth Emkin is going to be speaking about 20 minutes. So the meeting is going to start at 6.30 exactly. I always advise people to get there between 5.30 and 6 because of, of the large lines that actually do start forming and people have to get checked in. And that... Um, we usually are done with our meetings by 8.30. And I really would encourage even uh, those that are in high school or college to actually come out and, and, and actually attend these meetings and hear what these people have to say and, and say about America's future. Any cost for this, or is it free to get in and uh, see what's going on? Oh, I appreciate you actually asking, because uh, that is a question that's asked often. It is absolutely free. And uh, the also going to be assisting me is the Manteca Republican Women's Federated, who are going to actually be greeting uh, people at the door, getting people signed in, trying to make the lines go fast. And they're actually going to have cookies available and other snacks available for people that arrive. Uh, the owners of, of Shishari Restaurant, which is located at 305 North Union Road in Manteca, uh, all you have to do is be looking for the uh, tennis court that leads the road right to the back, and we're on the up, up the stairs. Um, they uh, have gracefully uh, allowed us to use their use their restaurant uh, building for the evening, and it's a it's a large gathering. All right, uh, any of the candidates, any of the folks that are there, going to take questions, or is it just a a speaking time and then uh, meet and greet kind of thing? You know, it's entirely up to the candidate. Um, what you know, they they usually do is uh, they might take a couple questions. Uh, they usually have a lot of things that they want to want to state what their platform is, why they're running, uh, what their vision is, uh, and what they like to see for the area. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that you've actually been to one of the South San Joaquin Republican meetings. And usually, I have three meetings a year um, due to time constraints. Actually, there's going and because it's a big election this year, and and people are going to probably be worn down. From, uh, mm -hmm. from politics after uh, November, there will not be another South San Joaquin Republican meeting until September of next year. So if you want to hit up a South <coughs> San Joaquin Republican meeting, uh, which, yes. like I said, is a huge meeting, a huge ordeal, you're right. looking at the only one that's going to Now's be the time to do year. it. So that's Tuesday, September 4th at Shea Cherie on uh, Union Avenue there in Manteca, right? Union Road, North Union Road. And, yeah, it's... Uh, Fisheries 305 North Union Road. Okay. And try to be there between 530 and 6, and you'll get a good seat. Frank, always good to talk to you, man. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Dave. I'll actually uh, be calling you back right before the meeting, and uh, we'll talk real quick before that. All right. We'll see you then. Stay with Take us. Care. It's Bye. Afternoons Live. Back in 60 seconds. Roger says, uh, <clears throat> dosage cups are annoying because you have to you have to wash them afterwards. Yeah. Ah, uh, thanks, Roger. Um, Depending on who you are, you don't have to. <laughs> right, that's true too. Uh, the answer to both of your questions is yes, and uh, just to kind of sum up everybody. I am just. I've hit the wall. I'm sorry, my voice is just about gone. So he's dying. Best of uh, coming up next hour. I, I, the only thing I had really handy was the discussion with Chris Tashera and I about the Russian submarine. Yeah, which is right up my alley anyway. So. <laughs>
it was a great discussion. We had a lot of fun with that. So uh, come, that's coming up next hour. And, of course, tomorrow I will be here. Even if I have to come in here, John, even if they have to carry me in here, I will be here. Max Dasty will join us tomorrow at 3.30 and then fun with news. And then top five TV cops, not TV cop shows, top five TV cops. So it could be a cop that's not just that's just on a show, right? Uh, yeah. That's the way I went. Right. A cop on TV. There you go. So put your list together. Denise has already texted her list in. Every, some other people have as well, too. But don't ask me who because I can't see it at the moment. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for Best of Afternoons Live on KFIV. Have a great evening, everybody. We will see you tomorrow for a Friday episode of Afternoons Live right here on KFIV 1360 AM Modesto everywhere via the iHeartRadio app on your smartphone.